Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Star Family Wisdom Podcast. Thank you so much for joining us. I'm Jenna Layden, founder of Star Family Wisdom and former Global Vice President for Whole Foods Market. I'm Sinead Willihan. I'm a former special needs educator and social justice activist and now the co-host at the Star Family Wisdom Podcast. And Star Family Wisdom is a paradigm shifting podcast, community, and online school for your spiritual and cosmic evolution. Although we only met last year, the journey and experiences that have led us here today were very similar. Five years ago, Sinead and I both had experiences that changed our lives forever. Mm -hmm. And after years of exploration and research and going through our own healing journeys, we now know that our reality is so much more beautiful and expansive and weird than we <laughs> ever realized. And we started having long conversations after we met last year and realized we want to share those conversations with you because they're really big conversations. They are really big conversations. They're very important conversations. They're at the forefront of what we think is human development right now, human evolution. So we want to bring this to you. We also want to make sure that everybody knows that we are not alone on this planet, that ETs and UFOs are real. They're becoming increasingly validated. And so we want to make sure that on this podcast, we're representing that content, that knowledge, that information that is at the forefront. So we're going to be sharing conversations with each other, with wonderful guests that we'll have on. We're going to be sharing ideas and information that will inspire you and support you on this wild journey of becoming human and becoming more human. And we're going to explore ancient clues about our untold human story, real life supernatural experiences, lost knowledge from the stars, and spiritual wisdom that empowers you to to transform your life for the better. Being experiencers of supernatural phenomena and ET contact, it's important to us that we have open, fun, mature conversations about what is possible and how we are evolving as humans. Yes. So we love all things woo, very woo sometimes, but also magic, mindset, science, spirituality, health and wellness, and absolutely extraterrestrials. And through these conversations, we want to explore how all of these topics that are seemingly separate actually connect to inform the evolution of our human experience. Ultimately, we want everyone to be able to embrace a multidimensional reality without fear. And things will get a little far out here at Star Family Wisdom, but we will always ground you in the science and information and research that we have used to expand our minds and open to the incredible nature of our reality. Yes, yes. And so together, we're going to remember and discover our place among the stars. And today, we have the perfect person to help us do that. Her name is Xiao Ma. She is a Chinese ufologist living in Australia, working as a lawyer, but deeply in the field of the paranormal and the ufology world and becoming emerging, well, emerging more and more as a leader, you know, someone who's going to yeah. be bringing some really fascinating new content and new ways of thinking about this phenomena to the forefront of our community. Yeah. And in this episode, you know, we asked Xiao a lot about her journey with um, connecting with the Chinese community on this topic, because uh, the situation in China is much different than um, the rest of the world in terms of the information dissemination or lack thereof and, and how people have to operate um, to, to access information about ET contact, about UFO sightings, and there's a lot of incredible information coming out of China. 
Oh my God, it, it's really exciting. I mean, there's a, there's a, we discussed this with Xiao, there's a kind of underbelly or under, you know, grassroots movement, as she's putting it, of people who are becoming activists, yeah. not just for spiritual freedom, but also for the freedom to become more intergalactic, essentially, yeah. because UFOs and ETs are becoming increasingly a reality for people across the world, but there's a lot happening in China. So it is fascinating to hear from Xiao how those experiences are changing the country, but also how they're changing the spiritual lives of people, especially the younger generation, as she put it, um, who are the ones who are going to be the leaders of China in the future. That is a really interesting situation. Yeah, and I love how you know she talks about the various contact modalities that um, are occurring right now and how there's actually a lot more like dream contact, like yes. nighttime kind of consciousness connection happening rather than just UFO sightings. So there's there's this evolution of contact that's happening on the planet. Mm -hmm. And it's so cool to get validation from China that that is also the case. And, you know, we've learned a lot about that on this side of the world as well. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. In North America, I'm Canadian, Jen is American. And so we share, uh, you know, how information is emerging in both of these countries. Obviously, the, U the U.S. is at the forefront in terms of putting this out there. Um, so other countries are starting to join in with us. And China seems to be one of those, which is not something we would expect, right, considering the, the political content. So it's going to be a really fascinating co uh, conversation with her. She has a lot to teach us about her own experience and also what it's like for the Chinese people to operate uh, spiritually and, you know, to be coming into a more expanded state of consciousness under such a political regime. Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. And it is just inspiring to hear about that grassroots movement, to hear about how people are reaching out and connecting and forming, you know, these groups to, mm -hmm. to learn and, you know, educate themselves and, um, and to seek that validation since there has been that suppression, which is, which is really unfortunate, but it's so incredible just to see the global community coming together now in mm -hmm. this way more and more and yeah. more yeah, yeah the internet is good for something right <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah you know Xiao talks a lot about her own personal experience with et contact and how the 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 like aspect of contact she has experienced is very similar to ours mm -hmm. where you know she establishes this you know almost telepathic connection and is able to channel guidance and information from these beings from her higher self we talk about fasting we talk about you know some of the kind of spiritual nature of these experiences mm -hmm. as well yeah we talk about how et and UFO contact is sort of the beginning of uh spiritual adventuring and you know conscious consciousness development for a lot of people it seems to be what's breaking them open to the fact that our world is at a point where everything is really starting to change in an entirely new way and in a way that requires us to be more spiritual and conscious beings. Yeah, it's mm -hmm. exciting. It's exciting to hear about how these, you know, um, contact situations, experiences, mm -hmm. awakenings are happening, you know, on such a mass scale it at really this is. point. And Xiao has a lot of contacts in Japan and North uh, South Korea. Mm -hmm. And we want to talk to her at some point, you know, down the road about, you know, those experiences and what she's learning from those countries mm -hmm. and, um, and help us get connected, you know, with more people on the other side of the globe, because it's important to us that, you know, we share broad perspectives on this topic and that, um, and that we do our best to expand 
expand our minds to understand the the global nature of how we're evolving. Yes, because it really is a global thing. It is not dominantly in North America. That may be the appearance, but that's not actually true. So yes, Jenna and I really want to represent the diversity of experience and the fact that it's a global thing. Also, that it is something that can be very fun. You know, Shao really brings that to the conversation. It's not all serious academic uh, learning, you know, it's also this incredible, uplifting, inspiring experience yeah. of what occurs when you have that contact. Yeah. yeah. And we end the conversation with what's our future look like and how can we channel these experiences and this, you know, expansion of consciousness into building a more conscious society, a more conscious way of doing business, a more conscious way yes. of operating with each other. And, yes. and so, you know, I love Xiao's practicality in that, you know, she's a very analytical, logical minded person in that. And, and she's, you know, thinking about how can I, you know, connect with these advanced beings, these advanced civilizations to help inform how I move forward in a more conscious way. Yeah, and, and she really is dedicated to developing a new business model, right? an entirely new way of having corporations and economy um, interact with nature, with the earth, because we are really doing quite a number on the earth, as we all know. And so that's one of the dominant messages from ETs. She brings that into the conversation. I love that. We also kind yeah. of celebrate the fact that we're three women, you know, talking yeah. about this. And in ufology, it still is a very male-dominated field. And that's something we want to celebrate is that women have a lot to offer as well. And, you you know, we are a powerful force in the world right now while the divine feminine is on the rise again. Yeah, it's mm -hmm. part of the evolution that's happening. So with that, let's get into the conversation. I would love to. Y'all are going to love it. You're going to love Xiao. Check out her information in the show notes so you know how to get in touch with her and follow her for more information. And we'll, we'll have her back at some point for another conversation. We definitely will. Like and subscribe. As always, reach out to us with your comments and questions. And we'd love having you here with us. We'll see you, see you on the other side. Hello, everyone. We are here today on Star Family Wisdom, bringing you one of our favorite people. This is Xiao Ma. She is a fascinating person who grew up in China and moved to Australia, and she became a lawyer, but her life is very much about ufology. And so we wanted to ask Xiao some questions about her personal experience, but also the dedicated research that she's doing to help the understanding of ufology as a spiritual issue, not just something that is, you know, stuff in the sky. Um, and how it's affecting development for human beings on consciousness, consciousness level and spirituality level in China, um, which is a very interesting paradox considering the political uh, situation in the country, but then also politics everywhere are increasing, right, in a certain kind of way. And so ufology at the same time is seem, seems to be meeting that, that tension, that density by showing up more, more UFOs, more experiences, right, people are seeing more around the world. So Xiao is one of those people that is at the heart of that. And we're very, very curious to ask her about her experience, not just in China and what's happening in ufology in China, but also her personal experience in Australia and otherwise. So Xiao, it's so great to have you here. We are super, super excited. Welcome Xiao, it's so good to see you again. It's been too long. Yeah, look, thanks so much for inviting me. Thanks, Jenna, thanks, Jeanette. Thanks, I'm very honored to be on the show, thanks. It's wonderful to have you here. And as you were kind of pointing out before we started, it's kind of nice to have three women together. You know, it's not really all that common in ufology and something that is important to all three of us. So I just kind of want to say that out loud, right? That that's important to recognize. So how are you doing today? Just in general, how are you? Yeah, look, it's been uh, fantastic. Um, I think I finally achieved work and life balance situation right now in my life. 
so I can um, spare more time to do something I like, um, including attending this interview. So, so far, so good. I think this year will be a great year for me compared with last year. Last year was great too, but I'm so looking forward to 2022. So yeah. That's great. That's great. We know you have some great things ahead and you can even tease that to the audience, you know, the things you have coming up that they can find you doing in the future uh, very, very soon. So we thought that we would ask you with your, you know, start with your origin story by asking you about how you got into all of this, right? Because here you are a lawyer, you wouldn't think that somebody who is in, involved in law, very, very left brain profession would also be so deeply involved in the weirdness, the woo, the paranormal, <laughs> all those things that, you know, don't seem to go together with law. So for you, your experiences started much earlier than when you became a lawyer and we're curious to hear you talk about that share that with our audience thank you uh so basically how i started is after my graduation i was a very junior lawyer working for um, a quite large law firm uh, i think back in 2012 that's that that's when you know um, according to the Mayan calendar, the end of the world, but eventually didn't happen, right? So I think that's where I started back in 2012, where I had UFO sightings when I traveled to the Brisbane office. Uh, that triggered me to really think a deeper question about my life. Um, is this real? If so, you know, at the very beginning, it's more nuts and bolts for me. Is this real? If so, are we really alone in this universe? And if we are not alone, what kind of role do we as humanity play in this grander scheme of things? So once you start to pound on those deeper questions, that makes you a bit humble. So I think at the beginning, I was merely having a UFO sighting. If you know a very famous figure called Mary Rodwell, she's actually based in Australia. Mm -hmm. uh, Mary also highlighted that Brisbane is a UFO hotspot. A lot of people had their uh, initiation in Brisbane. So very similar to Sedona, that is the crown chakra of the earth. That's what I heard. So uh, that's very spiritual place. Um, basically, that's how I started from UFO site. And then gradually, I start to have um, experience like out-of-body experience where I could remember and I reckon in our life, we all had that kind of experience, but we don't really remember it somehow. But after that UFO sighting, I start to have weird and wonderful things happening in my life. So it's more, I think my blueprint of my life, it's more like a step-by-step -step guide. So intensity increased, the frequency of the visitation from the angels and spiritual realms start to pick up. But again, I... I need to emphasize again, it's not always weird or wonderful, but also I had a spiritual attack at the same time when you start to have awakening. Mm -hmm. So that's where they see, ah, uh, this person start to, you know, um, figure out what's going on. So that's where you get very intensified experiences from both sides. Mm -hmm. So for quite a few years, and I have to admit that I was very confused. I was very confused and misled, like what's going on? What is this? Are they good and wrong? And then what happened after Nuts Boat side is a few years down the track, I attended quite a few UFO associations events. That's where you listen to the presentations and interviews from YouTubes. And I start to know more information and I start to basically put all the puzzles together. Wow. So that's when 
you and the Jenna's interviews and channels are very important for me as, you know, grassroots people try to figure out what's going on in their life. Because when they watch those interviews, um, I start to you know, oh, that things happened to this person, that person, how they handle those situations. You know, you can connect the dots from other people's experience. So that's how I got into it. Eventually, I got invited by um, a friend of mine back in China. So he was one of the um, movers and shakers, I would say, in China in terms of the um, spiritual communities, not just UFO stuff. And he said, hey, look, I heard about you got this, that crazy experience. Uh, we'd like to invite you to our show. Why don't you talk about it? You know, um, I wasn't know before that in China, people take that matter in a very content, confidential manner. Mm -hmm. So why I say that, they normally use like a pen name, you know, they put their voice in some kind of, um, through some kind of like a, a equipment that can change their voice. They try to not to be identified as, you know, missing so-and-so. Of course. I wasn't know that. So um, I was just very simple-minded person. I was like, never mind, you know, I just got on the show and said, hey, this is me, this is my real name, this is my occupation, where I base. So I shared a lot of information in a very open manner. And to my biggest surprise, I saw only a few hundred people will listen to it, which is not a big deal. And it ended up to became like a major blow in the society. Like, oh my God, this happened to this person. This person is real, she got a real name. She got a real occupation. Oh, that resonated with me, you know, that happened to me. So, yeah, and I wrote the first article about UFO back in 2015 and received more, like more than 1 million views, which is wow. a big thing at that time because China is very um, regulated in terms of that information. So it's not like in Western country that, you know, a few million kicks is not a big deal, you know, but in China it was a big deal. So that's mm -hmm. how everything started to build up. And then I got invited to different platforms and channels and shows. So I start to learn more, not just uh, from my experience and also from um, the feedback that I've got from my listener. They will draft an email to me, send me an email, say, hey, this and this happened to me. What do you think? So I start to collect those massive data in my emails, which is very important because I need to know, you know, that's what I shared with, you know, my viewer. I need to get some feedback, what they think about what I said, right, and how I improve myself, you know, this and that. But also I want to hear about their life experience which part of my experience resonate with them in China to those Chinese? What, what's actually happening in China right now? So I collect lots of data just based on the email correspondence. Like I've received hundreds of emails. So, and then I do an analysis, you know, Walter is very analytical, like, oh, that's what happened. That's what, okay, okay. okay. Then I can basically address those issues in my next in, like interviews. So it's more like episode. For my so you like become a guide and a support system for the Chinese community as they're awakening and going through their own experiences. Like you've become a real touch point for that community, it sounds like. 
exactly, Jenna. I think why got popular is not for me to, uh, you know, you need to do this and that. I'm not never address myself as a teacher role. I'm more like, oh, that's the information I received based on, like, say, 200 emails last week, for example. Guys, when they listen to my interview, I would say, based on the information I've got, 60% of people right now are experiencing, like, Joe Blow or Mary Jane, mm -hmm. you know, uh, I'm, I wouldn't disclose their name, but I would say such and such person from this city wrote an email to me regarding this issue. You know, how we look at that issue right now. So people listen to my show, it's like, oh my God, that's happened to me too. So I'm not the only one. So that really hooked them out like, oh, that's what happened. So people want to get that confirmation yeah. about their life experience. Mm -hmm. They're less important about what shall know. You know, to be honest, everybody is pretty smart these days they can figure things out so i think i'm more like a touch point you right like just give them feedback about the information i receive and the current situations in china how we deal with that as average job low in the society and i'm just you know grassroots people from china so that really resonates people rather than you know i come from high end i'm decent that i'm the master of this it's, it's, it's not my approach so so maybe I can ask you a question kind of based on, you know, specifically what you're talking about in terms of being so authentic and vulnerable, right, which, as you mentioned, is not uncommon, maybe in Chinese culture and other cultures, too. You have made a point of saying, this is me, this is who I am, this is what I'm about, and that's partially what's inspiring so many people to reach out to you, right, is your transparency and your authenticity, which is so powerful in and of itself. So now that you're collecting all these responses and you've been doing this for a while, collecting all this data and seeing, you know, where the patterns are in people's experiences in China, how that matches up with other countries in the world. Let's focus specifically on China for a minute, because I'm wondering if you can just say, if you can explain to our audience what the CCP is and how that operates in China in terms of uh, how people are able to operate in their spiritual capacity, right? And whatever it is, it doesn't have to be ufology. It can be Falun Gong. So what is the CCP and how does that operate in China in terms of this context? Okay, I think for a lot of Westerners, they don't know that in China, everything we do are heavily regulated or let's say watched by the big brother. So CCP stands for Chinese Communist party so chinese communist party is the only party in china there's no other left and right parties right in china it's the only one party so in china everything is so regulated to the stage that beyond your comprehension like so in china when we do things it's not just like oh i like it you know i can open up youtube i do whatever i like right. uh, everything you need to do you have to contemplate very carefully what would cause, what kind of political consequences will I have to face if I do so? So I always heard, you know, my friends in America, Australian complain, like, oh, you know, we've been watched this and that. You have no clue. You have to go to China to experience that. It's much tougher place to basically share, promote, not just UFO, but spiritual information, or, or could be out of body, any type of content modalities, basically. Reason of being, um, it's a communist country. I need to give people some background info. A communist country, why it's so different compared with the democratic country? Because in China, it's a communist. They believe everything is material. They do not want to go outside of the box. 
So if you try to promote spiritual information or ufology, you try to challenge the core belief system mm-hmm. of the CCP. Because you try to prove to them, and hang on a second, there are things beyond the three dimension. It's interdimensional beings, it's extra dimension, we're spiritual being. You try to challenge their political, basically core value. It's mm-hmm. like a company, you got the four core values, things like that. You try to challenge that, which you will upset them. Mm-hmm. So that's why, even though they voted yes in the United Nations Convention on I can't remember the name, as you know, there's a, whether or not you will support um, studies in extraterrestrials. China voted yes in the political scale. Right. But in China, when the door is closed, um, we have a lot of suppression. Back in the 90s, we had Qigong. That's where, you know, it's a bit like a yoga, kind of like energy healing style. Mm-hmm. Um, but they suppressed it. Sorry, I need to stop a little while there. Uh, Shanae jumping, Jenna jumping, sorry. Yeah, I, I'm curious about your experience going back to China and bringing this information to the community because I know you've, you've made a couple of trips back to connect with people and to share your experience. And that might you know, just highlight for our audience um, you know, kind of what the environment is like there as well. Yeah. Um, I was, to be honest, it's extremely challenging. I always say to my friend, if I knew that difficult, I would not start from the beginning. We mm-hmm. faced a lot of situations, not just from the political scale, because if you want to hold a conference, more than 40 people, again, every state in China is different. Approval process is different. You need to get approval from the local police say, look, I'm going to have a seminar or conference, more than 100 people and this and that. If they approve, then you can have a conference. So otherwise they call that it's illegal rally. You try to gather people doing something dodgy or something, have a political agenda. So you need yoga. Oh my God, you know, is that Bible study? Oh my God. (laughs) uh, But again, a lot of people say, I wasn't know that, but if they can, maybe they're just lucky, they don't pay attention, but if you got in trouble, they can always pin you down and say, hey, look, you not follow the process, you know. Um, that's just from the political side, and also you've been watched, and they can type on your call, listen to you, which is very often in China, mm-hmm. and I those experience all the time they want to listen to you want to know what's going on what's your plan why you invite those people who you invited what's their background all sorts so that's just political side mm-hmm. and then from the human aspects i resonate so well with a, a ufo researcher in japan it's an asian market so you have to respect the elders Yes, according to that sentence, it's real, but you have a bit of issue, a lot of ego play because there's so many nuts and bolts UFO researchers and spiritual leaders even. They think I've been in the market for so long. Who the bloody are you? You know, you're so new to the market. They try to basically sort of control you under their wing. I say you cannot expand further unless you say I'm the say disciple of this and that. It's a very old Asian tradition, like you have to have a master per se. Say I'm from this tribe or from that place. 
if you are new, they will give you a bit of a hard time to try to show you who's who in the zoo. You know, you are, you are nobody. Like you have to basically play that game as well, which is quite challenging. It's a bit like a corporate world. You are new staff try to get in and this senior management like, oh my God, there's something new. Try to give you a lesson. Hey, I'm the bigger gun here, you know, just let you know. So it's, it's, it's a bit <laughs> tricky situation. And you say, hey, Hey, look, I don't want to get into politics. I'm just here to try to do my work. I don't want to compete with anyone. Um, I just want to give some feedback to my viewers about my experience and what I've got. And even do your own thing. You still get those people try to ruin the conference. Mm-hmm. I've got people just respond to Jenna, not just from the political side, but also people try to call the police station, getting ruined oh. your conference. I've not upset anyone. They probably just jealous or anything like that. And all sorts of funny situations and people try to be there, try to get their name and frame. If you don't invite them to be the speaker of the opening session, 20 minutes, you know, you've got a host try to open, they will get very upset. They try to ruin your show. All sorts of funny situations. But having said that, Jenna, there's so many lovely people in China. Um, people try to support us. They knew how difficult that is in China. Try to you know run the conference. I met so many good people in China, but um, I could be a bit biased. But a lot of them are a bit like our generation. They're very like a simple. They just have a good heart. You know, we're here trying to give you support. Shall we have no agenda, no intention? We just want to see that you succeed. We want to see that this thing can happen. So if it succeeded, we can learn from your experience, make it happen for the next and so around. So I think the younger generation seems like more supportive, more willing to collaborate on many levels. So that's what really touches my heart. So the conferences could not succeed without so many people's support. So after that, two conferences in China and Shanghai, I saw there's a very big two forces, basically. There were force from the political side and the older sort of players like try to pin you down like no and there's a younger generation with no agenda coming say I want to give you support I want to see you to succeed mm-hmm. so again every time they try to ruin something people will jump in give you support try to untangle the situation and I was so grateful and I wasn't expecting this kind of situation to happen in China. It's just the, the level of complexity, not just having a conference at a functional level, but so many moving pieces. You have to like it. Beyond like you just hold up, like say wow. a big conference in USA. It's just amazing. But uh, after that conference, Jenna, I had a lot of, backlashes from the ccps it's another huge topic of course, of course. Well, it's of very course. brave of you to 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 go out there and do what you were doing and attempt to bring you know information to to the community in china i think that's beautiful that mm. that you've done it anyway <clears throat> and it's it's beautiful to hear that there's this like kind of surge this movement of you know, curiosity and, you know, in, in the various channels that are available, there are connections being made, there is information being shared. And it's so cool to hear about that web of information that is starting to grow Mm -hmm. for the Chinese community. 
Yeah, and also from what I can see is there are so many my families that call like you and the um, Chanel and others in Western country, do you want to come to China to share the information? So I was merely a bridge in between to make it happen, to be honest. Yeah, but I think in China, um, we had more than thousands of people to attend our two conferences. And all the tickets are literally sold out before wow. the conference start because wow. we want to make it very low key. We didn't do any formal um, advertisement because we don't want to capture too much unnecessary attention but again all the tickets are well sold out so every conference we only had like five or six hundred seats and they all well sold out so we have wow. to add it in the end so the point i want to make are two one is there are so many good people in the western country like you and chanel want to come to asian market to share the information we want to exchange information exchange data basically to see what's going on in those mm -hmm. continents Mm -hmm. and, and we want to learn from so many families in states, in Canada, in any other countries, you know, um, in Europe, in Africa too. But also in China, there's a huge surge of uh, people from um, basically a grassroots Chinese people who are fully aware about what's going on right now. Um, a lot of people are very nice and give us support, come to the conference. They just want to see, oh, I think my purpose for that conference is to make it happen, to show people it's doable. You guys can do it too. Mm -hmm. um, actually even succeeded, uh, succeeded in the end, the CCP um, again tried to turn it down, which is a bit sad. So that's show you the civilian level you can make it happen, but you still can't get that kind of final approval from the governmental level, right. which is unfortunate. So yeah, it really is fascinating. Like it's it really fascinating to see as Jenna was referencing and you're talking about, you know, this kind of underbelly mm -hmm. of um, curiosity and almost a form of resistance that yeah. seems to be, you know, increasing. And I'm noticing just because I'm an art aficionado, uh, as Jenna knows, and her grandmother uh, was an incredible artist. She did the painting behind us. So we're both very into creativity and how that connects to spirituality as well, right? Because there's so many different contact modalities. And I'm noticing that some of the art coming out of China is also different. It's a little bit more, you know, revolutionary, a little bit more boundary pushing, a little bit more like, you know, we just want to do what we want to do and have free artistic expression. So it seems like in China, there's all these different ways that pe the people are starting to really step up and say, you know, we want things to be different. We want things to change. So I want to bring it to, you know, again, with ufology in our focus, uh, bring it down to the basic level of the individual Chinese person, right? So what happens, I'm going to frame this in the context of there having been quite a number of really extraordinary uh, experiences that people have witnessed en masse in China, right? Of humongous UFOs appearing or all kinds of extraordinary stuff happening in the sky. This has been recorded by people on the ground. Everybody has a camera now. So what I want to ask you is, you know, we've been speaking a bit about the political system and the environment that all of this information is existing within in China. But when it comes down to the individual Chinese person who's walking along the street and then they see something amazing, they take their camera out, they film it, then what happens? What typically happens for that person? Like, what is the kind of general response when someone witnesses something like that? Do they immediately put it on the internet? Do they try to bring it only? Like, what happens for them? 
Thank you. It's a great question, Jeanette. I think it depends on each individual because we're talking about a country with 1.4 billion population and every province city are developed at different level. So you would expect people are very different mm -hmm. uh, from their social upbringing, where they came from, which part of China, this and that, and the educational level because Chinese is so diversified. So uh, I think if, if that situation happened in bigger city like Beijing, Shanghai or Hangzhou, we're talking about first tier big city, uh, the people reaction varies from take a photo. The first reaction, they will say, oh, that could be a UFO. We don't know what that is. Let's just put it in our donor bucket and think about it later on. It's like my initial, um, initiation back in 2020. I took me a bit of time to process yeah. a few months, literally process. Mm -hmm. uh, my way of thinking has got into the philosophical thoughts and think about it and then dive back again, try to reassess the situation, go from there. So like my mom and that, my dad age, they will be very frightened, to be honest. My mom and dad is totally not in our camp. The, the older generation of Chinese, they was like, oh my God, what is that? I have no clue. Yeah. I don't want to know. So it's very similar, I think, for uh, a lot of people in other country. The younger generation um, are very different towards the two different reactions. One is, oh my God, I'm so excited. I saw UFO. Oh, you know, I've got a lot of emails from people like, oh, you know, that's what I saw. I think it's a UFO. What do you think? They are very excited to the mm -hmm. stage that they probably can't sleep that night. Just <laughs> it's like awakening for order. You know, it could be body experience. So it could be all sorts. So those people are very open towards those kind of things. They want to dig deeper. So that's why I think curiosity is actually a very good um, a way to introduce people into a lot of yeah. um, consciousness. It's sort of like a, a doorway for them. Yeah. Curiosity. Where I think younger generation are more open to, and other ge younger generation seems have lesser interest. It's like, oh, I don't know what that is. That's just how it is. So the younger generation, regardless they want to dive in or not, they are very whatever like. They're willing to give in or they leave as it is. Whereas the older generation um, seems like to be more fearful because mm -hmm. they may think it's politically incorrect. Right. right. Okay. Uh, one thing I really appreciate is from the Chinese cultural background. Um, Western country are based on like a Bible Christianity world. Mm -hmm. If people are very religious, if you know they were labeled those UFOs as demons and this and that, that's where the religious fundamental thinking came from. Mm -hmm. China is a Buddhism country, regardless whether you're Buddhism or not, that's another. Thing, but it's based on that religious doctrine. You know, we all grew up from that country. So Buddhism seems like take a more lesser wholesale approach towards life in other planets. Even Buddha used to say, you know, uh, there's a different life forms in different planets and different existence. So if you grew up in Asian country, I think people will have a, a lesser like religious doctrine to against these kind of studies. So that kind of, from my point of view, 
uh, more relief, you know, people seems like take a more hostile approach from you. But again, we got extra layer that is from a political suppression. That's another story, right? So each country and culture have a different approach towards the um, different content modalities. So yeah. Shao, I'm, I'm curious based off of all of the contact you've made with people in the Chinese community about their experiences, how many or what percentage of those are UFO sightings versus some sort of um, consciousness um, or physical contact with a being? You referenced out-of-body experiences and that sort of thing. What's the percentage you know, difference between the two? Thank you. I think based all from all my data, I call them data, right? From all the hundreds of emails I've got gathered from all those years, the most common content modality would be dream contacts. Ah, okay. And a lot of them are lucid dreaming. So, but you will see the stage of development. Someone may email me and say, oh, I think I saw UFO in my dream. It's in the lucid dreaming stage. I feel like I might have a contact. They just wanted me to give them a validation. Say, yes, trust your heart chakra. Believe it, go from there. If you write back to them, they are more certain. You wait for a few months, you mm. will see it right back to me. And they say, oh my God, that's a confirmation. I got another lucid dream state. They contact me through the dream. They confirm this is a real deal. So if you give them kind of um, a confirmation, they try to link in a bit more. So from what I can see, uh, 50 to 60%, the emails I got more from the a dream contact because it's non-invasive way of introducing people into it. And then 15%, I think, more like UFO sightings or weird experience, like not just UFO, could be they see an orb or like uh, a light in the sky, like a weird lights, mm -hmm. light, light globe. They don't know what that is, you know, like ghost lights, things like that. And the rest could be out of body contact. They remember that they step out of their body talking to a being, could be an ET or could be an angel. I don't know, like could be any kind of, um, uh, I don't know, interesting beings from different realms. So they're in contact with them. They fully remember that. And they were diving back to their bodies. I just had an out-of-body experience. Oh my God, this happened to me. So uh, I think that's how it I perceive. So 50, 60% uh, dream contact. And yeah. then 20-30% are out of body and others are very like near-death experience, mm -hmm. which is sometimes can happen too. And I tell you what, one profound near-death experience can change the entire trajectory of their life a lot of time. Just one, just like not the male, like, okay, I now believe in this. Yeah. <laughs> That's one of the topics that we're also really uh, looking forward to presenting on the podcast is near-death experiences. And we want to have a couple of experts on to talk about it because it's such a complex and amazing um, con, you know, experience, but also what it means, you know, it's not within the experience of each person. There is so much depth and so yeah. many different things that just completely change your life, you know, turn it upside down and you can't possibly operate the same way again. So we know that many people who have had experiences, regardless, you know, whether they're uh, NDEs or ET contact, 
it totally changes your paradigm. And then you have to live within yeah. this new paradigm and kind of yeah. uh, finagle how that's going to work, right? And it's a constant process of figuring it out and figuring out where am I now in this new path, like in this yeah. new understanding. Yeah. Right? So for you, I know that's also happened where your reality has changed and expanded in many ways the longer you continue on this path. So what works for you in terms of you know, nourishing your experience and the contact that you have with these beings in terms of your modalities that you use yourself, what works best for you to stay in contact with these beings and keep receiving guidance, you know, keep receiving communication with them? What do you like to do to be in touch with them yourself? I think there's a, quite a few elements and, you know, questions I like to address. I think the way I approach those beings is I definitely need to make sure that I'm in a very high vibe uh, um, circumstance. I could have a good meal, maybe have a seven day fasting sort of plan. Cause once I do spiritual fasting, that's where I get lost downloads and information. My, uh, um, my, my body is more clean. Definitely, oh my God. You know, <laughs> spiritual fasting, yes, yeah, very important. And, you know what, I highly recommend people to do seven days. Seven days is so easy to do. It's, it's just so hard, so though. <laughs> <laughs> it is. I struggle with that. <laughs> we like food, but we've also had this experience. Of, <laughs> everybody does. We don't like food, but you're right. I mean, there's something about this fasting experience, you know, that we, we were just relating to you as you were saying that because we both had experiences also where the vibration is at a certain level and you don't really you need to don't eat. don't have an appetite. Yeah. Like you, yeah. Like it's almost like when we have had ET contact, we just go into fasting mode automatically. Yeah. It just starts to happen because there's just this like heightened energy happening. Yeah, so it's like it's like a program that runs swords um, on me before I did my fasting. Like, and initially I said, "Oh my god, I'm going to die without eating for three days." I was going to die, and after missing seven days, like, "Oh my god." I think I can do 14 days or 20 days. <laughs> it's so easy. And I think the benefits I took from it is just make my body cleaner so I can connect with a higher realm. Mm -hmm. Secondly, I feel like after that, I feel like I'm, I have less craving towards chocolate. Again, I'm a chocolate colleague. <laughs> <laughs> Same here. I feel like I feel like they're talking through you to us, to us. right now. <laughs> it's like, I have to have a cake. <laughs> things, at least it works for me is more profound is um sometimes i have that anxiety because i know what's coming which we will talk about that later yeah. i feel like i need to be a prepper i need to be a prepper but if i start to fasting for seven or 14 days i'm like oh my god that's so easy like if it's going to something lights out for the next month or whatever I can just have a one meal per day or one meal every three or four days mm -hmm. and I can just enjoy my life in a better, clear mindset. And I will never be caught up in that fear mode of running out of food. So mm -hmm. I see the prepper channel, they say, oh my God, you know, people will get in a convenience store, rob the entire store if, if, if there's a lack of food. And I will never be caught up in that situation again after i have that fasting so i feel like i done seven days fasting i know what it feels like mm -hmm. i don't care i'm not going to go to the supermarket just for 
um, without eating for two days or three days because I'm so used to it. I know how to handle that situation. I just get rid of that fear and anxiety in me. So I think seven days fasting is something that everyone needs to try. Mm-hmm. Agreed, agreed. And what happens for you? So after you've done the seven days of fasting, you you said you are able to have a more heightened, you know, spiritual connection or connection with the ET beings. What's that like? Like what happens after the fast? That's so funny. And then all the beings try to come in like, look, I want to talk to you. I, so <laughs> I think my, uh, uh, my, the body's count you, right? It's just clearer. I can hear the information in a more clear manner. Mm-hmm. So I can receive information in a, a more, with more clarity. Mm-hmm. And you will realize after fasting, I think I can get, get rid of more ego, the shell style, mind chat, blah, blah, shell chat. Oh my God, I need to watch out. Blah, blah. So a little ego play. Blah, blah, blah. So once I'm in fasting mode, I can, can have more mental clarity. It's a lesser shell ego kicks in. You know, want to have that little mind chat. So lesser that, so I can receive more information. That's where all the being trying to come in. Oh, it's very important. You know, da, 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 this is this that's going to happen for the next few months. You, you need to do this and that. So I think it's just clearer for me to receive information, and I can um, increase my intuition. So mm-hmm. I can. Oh, okay. The the questions that I've been pounded on for a few months, I just have the clarity in my mind. So, oh, so easy. I know what to do. Oh, so clear. So I think spiritual fasting is very important. Mental clarity, easier to receive information. And I can increase my intuition level. I know what to do just like that. Rather than, like, oh, porn and call, should I do this? Should I not, you know, do or don't? None of that. So, very cool. Very, Very interesting. Cool. Yeah. Very interesting. I mean, it, it is, it is, you know, it, one of the reasons that we want to talk to you is because we want to reflect on the on our podcast a more diverse representation of the um, you know, the experiences that people are having and not just make it something with American focus, yeah. right? So we're going to be bringing you in more after this session today, after this chat today to talk about what's happening in Japan, to talk about what's happening in Korea, because you're connecting with other researchers in other parts of Asia, right? Which is super exciting because this is a global experience. Yeah. It's a global phenomenon, right? And so there's, there's, it's just so interesting to learn more and more about the commonalities yes. of experience between all of us. And one of them is fasting, right? That seems to be something that is a connective spiritual experience for many people. And like, it can happen. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's spreading more and more and more. So all of these kind of older spiritual ideas that have been around for eons, you know, who, that have never gone away. These ideas, this wisdom is still there to support yeah. us. And one of it is keep your body clean, treat your body as your, you know, as your temple. If you want to phrase that it like that from the 1970s, right. Treat your body like it's your temple. But really that is the philosophy of treating your body uh, very carefully with honor and, you know, thinking about what you put into it because it helps us expand our consciousness and our being and our wellness and so many other things, right? So and I, I love that you're mentioning that. I love that Shao's also talking about the the guidance and the communication we can have with beings who are, you know, in these higher dimensions mm-hmm. and that, you know, this contact experience has gone way beyond UFOs and abduction, right? We now have 
have this very like deep intuitive kind of connection to yes. these other beings. And I love how you represent that and how, how you've worked to really establish that connection. Not just talking to the beings, <clears throat> excuse me, and also talking to my higher self. Yes. Not sure yes. No, no, I do argue with my higher self. It's funny that it's like you're talking to yourself, but sometimes we do argue. <laughs> like, oh, you know, you should do this. I love you. This is like, you have no idea, Sepak, how hard it is to be on this course. You know, I have to do this. You know? <laughs> <laughs> it's just, uh, I think we have to meet in the middle. I think spiritual fasting, my words, I do agree, resonate with you too. It's very important. Seven days. It's actually quite easy. Trust me. <laughs> okay well, I think what here we of, go yeah like we're gonna, we're gonna get ready to not eat for seven days i don't know if i'm ready for that but we can try it but shall i feel like we're also talking about you know with the fasting and all of the things we're discussing that there's a very very spiritual self-development you know consciousness related aspect to the et ufo phenomenon it is not a separate you know consciousness and ets are not a separate thing it's all one and the same so you are somebody who talks about that a lot and i wanted to ask you um do you think that i mean obviously this is happening in china right it's making people open up and making them feel more curious as you were putting it about what is out there right but then there's also so there's these kind of subtle more subtle experiences you could say that people are having then there's these huge experiences right that are happening to large groups of people across china and yes. we don't know a lot of those stories over here right like these are stories that are really kind of staying in the countries that they're happening in they're not all being shared across the globe so we want to share more of these stories can you mention one or two of the biggest ufo stories that have happened in china or in australia and or australia but primarily china just because it's harder to get news from china to hear about things like that that happen and then also what you think the result was of those big events on the population yeah, sure. I'll just address that in two different parts. Firstly, I just want to share a bit of a sneaky peek into the Chinese society. From the individual level, I will say that the younger generation, they are very different compared with the fixed mindset in a lot of Western people. They think, oh, when we're talking about the Chinese, they should look like that. They talk like this and that. So when they look at me, I'm not those so-called typical Chinese and people say we're actually very friendly easy approachable person so people think oh Chinese is, should be like this way it's not always the case the younger generation Chinese is actually very open towards those topics and I will say to be honest a lot of people more or less they are very intuitive in a way consciousness uh, consciously speaking uh, some of them could be diving from the UFO angle, but others could be from near-death experience and all sorts, as you know, different contact modalities. So I think right now in the China, um, besides the political suppression, people are start to be fully awakened, more or less, at different pace. Everybody's journey is different. For example, they will, like, those spiritual books um, are very popular in China they are not necessarily publishing in China because of the control. But what they do is they buy those spiritual books from Taiwan or Hong Kong. It's a, a Chinese characters, right? So they can buy from Taiwan. So those big names, you know, like uh, Joe Dispenza and you name it, so many big names, um, they all been heard in China. So the point I want to make is on the individual level, 
people are very open towards those materials from the Western world. And also in China, you know, the Japan, different teachers have different materials, different approach. So they are well received. They're well received in China. So it's not going to be a stranger talk. So, oh, you know, we're talking about, say, Grand Cameron show, I talk about Janet Shinette show. It's not going to be a totally something different for them. They say, oh, the name rings a bell because I read that book published uh, in Taiwan. So um, at an individual level, they're very open to that and they will receive. From the group level, the biggest scale, um, they have a different pockets of um, little, let's call societies more or less, you know, they, they try to brand themselves differently. So they may call it a less politically sensitive name. It could be like uh, a book study group with a focus on alternative science. You see, they choose the words very carefully, uh, alternative yeah. science rather than call spirituality, right? It's, it's, it's a kind of taboo. So it's like alternative science. So they have a study group that they share different information. So we're talking about a group that uh, may have a few hundred people, you know, a smaller group of people. So they are very um, smaller group orientated. That's where they promote information, have that kind of social gathering um, with or without, you know, police station approval but they just need to be a bit careful, okay? So from the group level, the biggest scale is address the second part, is I do believe that China, the CCP, which is the Chinese Communist Party, do have a treaty with um, certain alien group. Um, I'm pretty sure about that based on the source I have received. I'm not talking about people share the rumors from second-hand or third-hand information. We're talking about the information I received, or well-received from the real insiders who actually might work for them, you know, before mm -hmm. or even now. So based on the information, without going into super detail, okay, I need to watch out myself. Okay, okay. Uh, I can share one a famous case in China. Um, it's called the Hangzhou Airport Incident. And I always love to share that incident because there's more to it. In regarding that airport, Hangzhou is actually a bigger city in China. Uh, it's around maybe three or four hours drive from Shanghai, more inwards, inland. Um, it's a big city. That's where, you know, Alibaba base, you know, the Alibaba tower, that's where they base. So Hangzhou is a big city. So back in 2010 or 2011, I can't remember which year, there was a major sighting of uh, a cigar-shaped huge UFO um, hovering on top of the sky, just literally on top of that airport, wow. which caused the major airport shutdown at night, like around 7, p uh, 7 or 8 p.m. But people doesn't know there are three layers of truth to that incident. The first layer is what the mainstream media try to share with everyone, ah, there's a UFO sighting. We're talking about back in 2011, where China wasn't that close yet, because different stage of China, you know, different president, um, different political approach. So during that time, China wasn't that kind of um, censored, let's say, on that UFO topic. Mm -hmm. So you will see some UFO sighting news, you know, 
on mainstream media. So that's what's shared is, oh, there seems like unidentified craft um, flying over the uh, Hangzhou city, which is huge, uh, and caused the entire airport to shut down for a few hours. That's what mainstream media share. That's all we know, right? And then that news being basically censored a few years down the track. And nowadays, you can't even find much information about that incident. We're talking about 2022. It's, it's more censored now. But there's a second layer to it. The second layer of truth is when someone I know was at that airport at that time, when the UFO actually landed at the airport. That's the part that people doesn't know. That wow. UFO literally landed airport that caused the entire airport to shut down. Not just that UFO, like I think a cigar ship. They told me that it's a, like one or two hundred meters long, pretty lengthy. I can't remember the precise length. Landed, caused the entire airport to shut down. But also the intelligence and security and police army came. And they actually shut down one half that side of the airport because if you know the airport, they all windows, right? Everybody can see what's going on when it's a UFO city. So people, oh, that's a UFO. So they, for whatever way that is, they are find a way to block one side of the airport so the passengers at that big airport cannot see what's going on on that side. Wow. So layer of truth people didn't know that the craft actually landed at the airport so wow. which is very which is very rare yes like i can get into deeper but it's just nuts and bolts you know they give you take away what they say you cannot take a photo turn off your phone nobody can take picture so everybody all the passengers in the airport cannot take picture cannot send a text message they have some kind of like a equipment to block all the like mobile like signals and information at the airport so no information out of in so you can't really call anyone so that's the second layer choose this third layer is very confidential without diving into too much detail i heard again it's alleged information it's up to the viewer to decide is that after the UFO landed, um, the army came out. So they set up a military little tent <laughs> at the airport. And what happened is the UFO door opened, came out with three different beings. Two beings like more than two meters tall. There's a middle one. It's actually really short, like 150 or whatever, but they're not great, different type of beings. So they actually came out of the UFO. Um, they meet and greet all those personnel. They strike the deal. I heard they signed a treaty somehow with the Chinese government. And in exchange, they provided, without going into too much detail, certain, how could I put it? Certain benefits, technologies to the Chinese. So the being said, our overall objective is to see the Chinese people happy. You know, like we want to see the citizens of China be happy. So we're happy to provide this and this to you. I can't share, you know, what that is, you know. Mm -hmm. And uh, in exchange for certain things from China, mm -hmm. uh, without going into too much detail. So 
I think they do have a treaty. That's what happened on that day. Not just what the mainstream media says, oh, there's a UFO sighting that caused the entire airport to shut down. Yes, I got that. The second layer, the truth is the passenger know mm -hmm. the UFO actually landed. The third layer of the truth is, I've been told very clearly, they do actually um, came out of the crowd. They strike the deal with the Chinese regarding certain things in exchange for certain things. So yes, wow. that's, that's just what happened in China. And apparently that's also what I heard, but again, it's just allegation, okay? I'm just say it's hearsay. It's hard to decide what is true or not. Um, um, we believe that maybe China, um, yeah, they may have a treaty more than one ET race. And some of the beings, you know, could be, well, looks just like me, like Asian looking. Uh, we not always have like a Nordics. Um, there's all sorts of humanoid beings. Um, yeah, from all over the galaxies. So how much, how much has the Chinese government actually acknowledged, you know, previously that these things occur? And do you think that the Chinese government will ever get to a point where they're able or willing to say, yes, this is real? If you know the history of CCP, you will know that they are very like sovereign union. Mm -hmm. uh, they have a different approach in terms of different subjects. For example, like ET technology, French science, the way how they approach it is they only want themselves, their own people, to run the show, to study the subject. They do not want any grassroots people like me and all my friends in China to promote the subject, basically do any study. So it's a very controlled narrative. Um, I think they are well aware about what's going on. And right. I think they have a treaty. They probably know the ETs really well, but they don't want the public to study or research on the topic. I think they want to have absolute strict control on the subject. Only they only want to release information by trip job and certain narrative scripted by them. But the whole process could be a bit later, uh, slower than a Western country. I think the China side is more conservative in terms of how they want to approach that subject. If you watch all those drip job um, information, you will see every time when Patagon released the paper, a few months later, China will like respond to that. Say, oh, you know, we created these force to study the team, to study this phenomenon. So every step they do, they tend to let the Western country to do it first. Mm. And then they observe how the public take on those subject matter. And then they respond to those situations like, oh, this is our version of it. So I think they are more conservative in terms of um, different content modalities, not just UFO, but also, you know, a study of Qigong, which is very similar to yoga, things like that. They, they try to defame them, blackmailing them, put them there, say you're, you're fake, you're this and that try to ruin their reputations called a you know a typical character assassination so nobody will ever believe you anymore okay. once they ruin your reputation and then what they do is they hire those chigong master because they have psychic power right so they hire those people into their own ccp secret projects to run different experiments so you see everything they do is basically 
very quarantined um, from the public awareness. They want to do the whole thing by themselves, benefit for themselves. It's a very controlled narrative, uh, na like a narrative owned by the CCP. It's a very different composed Western world. Whereas, yeah, they control the narrative, but not to the degree that you and the Jenna cannot run your show. You know what I mean? Like you can. Right. So, yeah. yes. Do you do you think this is why there's been such an uptick in some of the other contact that's happening in China? Like people are having the dream state contact and, and there's more of that occurring. Do you think that is like an effort to help people wake up and understand the possibility of what is, you know, what we believe to be true about our reality? Uh, if I understand your question correctly, I think so. I think this contact phenomenon is all around the world. And CCP probably know, not just CCP, all the countries will know, nobody can control anymore. You know, what can you stop them having a dream contact? There's no way or out-of-body experience. Exactly. But I feel they cause a lot of issues for the Chinese awakening because... A lot of Chinese, from what I can see based on my data collection, is they need people like me or others to give them validation. Mm -hmm. So when they have that, say, lucid dream, like everything happening in their life, but they just can't connect the dots. Mm -hmm. If you know China firewall, that means they can't use Google, no Google, no YouTube, no Facebook, um, no this and that. So it's, it's fully blocked. Every now and then, you you will have information translated and then put it into China, but again, you see a huge firewall. So the point I wanna make is um, there's a limited information there. Chinese people just want to have those, let's call me or you and Jenna's more like connectors, be there for them during their difficult time to say, look, things happen to you are real, okay? Mm -hmm. Just own, own it, own your experience, believe it. They just need to that, have people to give them a drip job information like recall your dream, recall when you wake up, you will remember it. You know, people give them like a basic guidance and tell them kind of what to do. And people like me can give them feedback. So, oh, you know, Jenna wrote me an email the other day, that what happened to her. You know, they can listen to it. Oh my God, that happened to me too. Oh, so this is real. Once they own that experience, they became more powerful. They more linked in their experience. They try to dive in deeper. So that's how we can help them to progress to the next stage, next stage. And eventually they probably don't need me, to be honest. They just find other people to give them that kind of little bit of guidance or heads up on the way. But because of this political control, that made the whole process very difficult for them. Mm -hmm. They just, oh, I'm like, what should I do? I've got a book, but they need people to talk to. They need people to validate their experience, but you don't see that a lot in China. Yeah. That's why we feel, you know, the international community connecting as much as possible is so important yeah. because community is incredibly important, right? It's such a powerful experience. You recognize yourself and others. You have your experience validated. You have your anxiety reassured and your stress or your yeah. doubt or your confusion. Yeah, it's incredibly valuable. Another thing like uh, if people say to me, say, oh, you know, I've been spiritual attack. I got this and that issue. And I say, oh, hang on, I know Joe Blow from your city. Someone's actually Ricky Hiller. Let me connect you two together. Bam, you make it happen for them. Yeah. So, 
in China, the biggest situation in China is it got a lot of people awakened, but they're just so overwhelmed by the experience, a lack of guidance or support. So we need those like, like not just Xiao and other people like you and Jenna, be the connector for them to reassure them of the experience, give them drip drop information, guide them through the way, connect them with the right people to make yeah. it happen for them. But we don't see that a lot in China due to political suppression, sadly. So yeah. Mm -hmm. I mean, it really does seem like Jen and I were just talking about this, I think, yesterday, that ETs and UFOs seem to currently be the kind of gateway drug, right, to, to, to use a, a loose phrase, right, for people to have their lives transformed, have their spirituality come to the surface, you know, realize they need different things in life, whatever it is, it has a very catalytic effect for people and brings yeah, them yeah. to the world of spirituality. So how do you think that ETs and UFOs are connected to the conscious development of human beings? Um, I think that's a lot. It's a lot of information, knowledge being taught to me when I was out of body. Um, for one instance, I wasn't very envir environmentally conscious person, friendly person. When I was at uni, I liked to use plastic mug. I tried to have a cup of tea. And my friends, oh my God, Xiao, you're so not environmental friendly. You should use gloves. You know, it's like, what's the big deal? You know, but after a few years, after that ET contact and also the beings from higher, higher realms, and I just more basically switched on more aware of envir environmental friendliness. So I try to use less takeaway chopsticks and plastic bags and things like that. I think those kind of contact um, are more educational. Mm -hmm. And when they teach us, not just like uh, on earth, you know, they tell me what to do or what not to do. When they teach me, you kind of like, you can feel it. You sort of the teaching from different sensations and feelings from different angles. I think ET contact can help me to grow up what to do or not to do, but also have more that open awareness about me connecting me as an individual with you, with the nature. So it's more expanded awareness, not just me at you, but also expand awareness with the nature, with that and with this. It's more open consciousness connection. So yeah, yeah. so it's certainly intergalactic, yeah. right? Yeah, I, yeah. Lo I love that interconnectedness that comes from these experiences. Like even this is an example of that, right? Mm -hmm. Where we have yeah. all become connected because of these experiences. Yes. And so, so we are just growing this connectivity around the world through these experiences, which is a really cool side effect mm -hmm. of all of this. Mm -hmm. And we're all making each other think of things that we never would have thought of before. Yeah. Exactly, like the things I've been always counter from, at least from my perspective, if I do my full-time job, sometimes I think, actually, I got weird thoughts like, I need to learn from those higher realm beings, not just spiritual information, but also how you manage an organization because they are more advanced. Like, what's the more advanced way of managing a company? How you run this? What if, how you're going to enhance internal process of you know operational process and this and that because those are the things we need to think about when we reach new earth 
full disclosure, you know, um, post full disclosure world, you know, we all have a different new occupations by now and by then, you know, um, how are we going to run our little, um, basically the platform, a little company, a little center, you know, we will have different healing centers by then. How are we going to run it? Do, will people equipped with those very advanced uh, operational knowledge to run those things? It's, it's, it's very um, important for us to learn. So those are the things I'm actually pondering. We can learn from those beings as well. So I think there's a lot to it. I love yeah. that. I love, I love that. that. It's, a, it's about, yeah, channeling that connection into how are we building our future? Yes. How are we building a world we can all be proud of and and live together in, in a harmonious way? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Including honoring the earth, as you were referencing. I mean, that is such a dominant message from the ETs, right? That we're not honoring this incredible planet that we are so um fortunate is the word i guess not even the word to live on you know the fact that we get to live in this place and we're not treating it with the honor and respect that it really deserves that is a very dominant message from the et so i love that you brought that up yeah so and, and, uh, i think the point for me to think about now is i'm not those people um i do even though i agree with them that love and lie you know i have to yes but my approach would be more from the operational sense. Like I need to think about, okay, if Xiaoma one day is going to have a healing center, who am I going to hire, going to run my center? Who are those people I need to hire? Can those ET guides give me some guidance in terms of what kind of people should I hire in order to run my center? You know, everybody have a different skill set. And what would be the most advanced way to study in terms of psychology, you know, they collect all those human data on mm. this ship, you know, how to treat PTSD. They may have a better way of treating this, you know, who would be the best person? Like all those things I need to consider. So I think that's what we need to learn from those ETs. But again, there's also other higher spiritual knowledges we need to bring to the planet too. So for me, it's more down to earth operational sense, um, yeah. I need to concede. I love that. I love that you bring it down to earth because that's why we're here, right? We're, yes. we're here to live this, you know, earth, earthly experience and to make it better for all of us. So I think that's beautiful that you're, you're thinking in that way. And, and I, you know, we are too, in a lot of ways, and, mm -hmm. and we have experienced that guidance, right? That because we've established this connection, we receive guidance about how to move forward in our business. And so I think this is a great message for people that there's so much more guidance and support available to us than we've believed yes. or realized in the past. Yes. Wouldn't you yeah. agree? Yeah, Jenna, look, all the smaller businesses, when they start, 90% will not succeed. Only 10% can succeed. So from my approach, I want to see how ET beings can teach us how to succeed when we actually progress to the next stage. And to be honest, when we're talking about spiritually uh, advanced thoughts, I don't think we're going to meditate in a cave for 20 years. You know, it's, it's, it's not what I foresee about New Earth. I think New Earth we will be very down to earth, just like me right now, but just with, with more awareness. I probably need to carry on my occupations three days a week, four days, just focus on my hobby. But it's not going to be people think we're going to fly in the sky, meditate, <laughs> okay? I think there's a lot of occupation we need to consider. So I'm actually thinking how to 
run a center in the future? What kind mm -hmm. of people I need to hire and how to succeed in those business operation if we want to um, do it in the future? So yeah, to do business in a new way, yes. right? To do business way. in a new way. Advanced way of thinking. Um, yeah, that's the things I want to learn from those ETBs. Mm -hmm. so, that is amazing. It is fascinating how, you know, it isn't just this thing in the sky. It literally connects to every aspect of who we are as human beings and every aspect of how we live. Yeah. And you know? to your point that that's so smart. If we have contact with these advanced civilizations, let's learn from them. Let's ask them to yes. help us build the new earth and, and help guide us into a more conscious way of living our lives. I think that's beautiful. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Xiao, this has been so fun. Thank you for having this conversation with us and educating our audience on the, the variety of experiences that are happening and, and what the experience is like, you know, on the other side of the world from us, you know, mm -hmm. for the Chinese community. I think that's really important that we, you know, share a broad perspective on everyone's experiences and, um, and, and do what we can to, to help yes. create bridges and create those connections. And I'm just so appreciative of you for that. Yes, you are a human bridge, you know, in so many ways and that's such an incredibly powerful role likewise likewise i really appreciate Shannon and jenna's work um, to bring to our community i actually learned a lot from both of you and i had a pleasure of being interviewed by Shannon and jenna before and it's great to connect with each other the last thing i just want to highlight to people is i have a created uh, Asian ufo research alliance group so it's not any form institution per se but it's more like a few people connected. Reason being, I want to basically connect the dots, you know, uh, have that kind of bridge. So anyone who's interested to know what's going on, not just in China, they can reach out to me. I can share information, connect them with the right person in China, but also what's happening in Japan, what's happening in Korea. Mm -hmm. So I can connect the dots and connect them to the right people so they can basically have some corresponding data or information regarding what's going on in those countries in Asia continent so people can be up to date because in the end um disclosure is a global phenomenon we want to yeah. see all the continent to yeah. connect with each other and all the people even in China 1.4 billion population if Chinese can be more aware more conscious that can raise the entire global vibration mm -hmm. you know that can fast-paced entire uh, full disclosure agenda basically so uh, we need to support each other to see each other succeed in this arena otherwise we'll just slow down the whole process so yeah agreed 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 yeah yeah and the more we're a global community the more we can support each other and also the more we're a global community the more fascinating all of this even becomes because yes. we learn more we get to see the variety of how these things occur across the world so Xiao, we're definitely going to have you back to share um, more of your experience your research especially with regard to japan and korea because it sounds like some really fascinating stuff is going on over there and you continue to do all kinds of wonderful leadership stuff in the community so we want to put your links and how people can contact you in the show notes that is going to be included in our show notes for this episode definitely definitely we encourage our audience look up Xiao, follow her and pay attention to the research that she's doing she's bringing a really fresh perspective to all of this 
And we need to support women in this field. I'm just going to say that again. But I feel strongly about it. <laughs> I know you do too. Yes. So thank you, Xiao. You are always a gem and a treasure to have and to speak to on our shows and to put your knowledge and information out to uh, the community is really, really important. So thank you for being here. Thank you to you two lovely person. Thanks for inviting me to the show. I'm very grateful. So people can connect with me via Facebook. So I'm looking forward to connect next time. Thank yeah, so thank you so much, Sean. Don't forget everyone to like and subscribe if you're on YouTube, if you're on the podcast apps, rate and review and, and leave a comment. Tell us, tell us your favorite part of this show. Mm -hmm. Let us know if you have questions. Let us know if there's anything Shao, you know, mentioned that was um, new for you. And mm -hmm. if you want to learn more, uh, we'll, we'll have more of these conversations. Yes, yes, we, we will keep going. <laughs> Nothing can stop <laughs> us, right? <laughs> Thanks so much. Shao, and thanks everyone for listening. We'll see you in the next episode. Yes, indeed. Bye, everyone. See you soon.